This year is brought to you by Eshel Publications. Eshel Publications is a non-profit organization dedicated to spreading the Torah, Shiurim, and Sefarim of Rabbi Aaron Lapiansky. For sponsorships or more information, visit eshelpublications.com. Besides being a great yeshiva and with a great rosh yeshiva, it's also an opportunity for people to also uh, get a degree um, for college as well. So um, if you look in the back, you'll see some representatives from the yeshiva. You can please feel free to speak to them after the shir, ask any questions. It's a great uh, opportunity for people to be part of a great yeshiva experience plus opportunity to get a college degree as well. And, most importantly, have a great opportunity to spend time with uh, Rav Lopiansky. So it's a great privilege to have him here with us. Thank you so much. Okay, so I, I guess the format that I was asked to was say something on the parish and then open up to questions and points that people like to discuss. Um, so... I'd like to pick out a point from the parasha that in many ways r- really applies to all of life's experiences, literally. One of the things that we um, always, people, whenever they're struggling with Amuna or whatever, they say, you know, if Hashem would make miracles once, like He did, then it would be a different story. It's, you know, w- we have to live with a story that's a few thousand years old, and we struggle with it. That's a, a kind of common refrain. Uh, there are a lot of answers for that. And I don't want to say answers in terms of answers. It, the question is a misunderstanding for many reasons, but I want to point out to one of them. It says, the first time Moshe Rabbeinu encountered, interacted directly with HaKadosh Baruch Hu, says he was taking a sheep, he was shepherding a flock, he took them to the Midbar, a Malach came in the fire, Vayar, and he said, He saw a bush burning and not being consumed. It, it defeats one of the laws of nature, conservation of energy matter, doesn't seem to make any sense. Vayoma Moshe, Moshe said, I am going to take a closer look. Why isn't it being consumed? That he went over to look at it. So, there's this little piece over here that sort of, in, in the flow of the psukim, we tend to sort of skim over it. Moshe Rabbeinu saw a miracle. He saw something that's impossible. And a malach inside it. And he could have scratched his head and said, strange things do happen. Believe it or not. Another one for Ripley's Believe It or Not, and go weiter. He never would have interacted <coughs> with God on that one. Hashem was not going to talk to him. He says, Vayar Hashem, Kisar Lira. He saw him take a step to ask himself the question, this happened with Moshe. It happened once before with Avram Avinu. The Chazal say Avram Avinu 
was a marshal to somebody who's walking in a forest, and all of a sudden he sees a palace that's lit up. And the person phrases a question, and he says, can you have a palace that is lit up and nobody's in charge of it? The owner stuck his head out and said, hi, I'm here. Same thing, Moshe, Avram Avinu and so on. The point of it is, things that happen, HaKadosh Baruch Hu never forces his way into our lives because that would be missing the point. HaKadosh Baruch Hu comes, steps in when we create a space for him. It has to be our search. We need to ask ourselves a question. We're not going to come up with the answers. The answers is HaKadosh Baruch Hu. HaKadosh Baruch Hu will come in and answer it. But a question creates a certain space. It, in Halacha, the Maral says in... in um, Haggadah, you're not Yosef without Shaila Tshuva. It has to be Derek Shaila Tshuva. You need to have, that's why we have the Manishtana and so on. So he explains the point of why does it have to be Manishtana with an answer? We all know the question, we all know the answer. Why do we go through this, this, this ritual? So basically, I'm, I'm rephrasing it, but it's more or less what he says. A question creates a space in your mind where the information um, steps into. Um, uh, when my, ki- my family grew up in Atisrael, um when my kids were young, there was a slang word, mazam, I think, mize manyen, or manyen safter, something like that. Their whole slew, it's a common popular Israeli conce- concept, you know, I couldn't care less, kind of. So anytime you would say something, you would, they, they, there would be a reply in the nature of, you know, who do, who's interested, who cares, and so on and so forth. Walking by and seeing miracles does nothing for us because we live with a lot of strange things if a person we live we every single one of us lives with millions of miracles every day look at yourself in the mirror how does the body keep itself at a perfect temperature how does the body keep a perfect balance of sugar how do muscles move exactly you can sit and look in a mirror and you'll see a million miracles the answer is we never ask a question it's yeah because that's that's what people are that's it there's no there's no point of a question we never say huh how's that possible the key to emuna is not waiting for Hashem to pat you on the shoulder and tell you something it's open your eyes and asking can there be such a complex bria with so much in it from nothing can a person's life have no meaning other than just a a combination of, of, of chromosomes, and that's it. If a person asks that question real, HaKadosh Baruch Hu somewhere steps in and begins answering the question. We need to be surlyos. That's a tafkir of ours. That's something I wanted to sort of preface, something I think that's in a very important point that we tend to gloss over, and now ask the questions. At least we'll have something to, to answer. Um, you want to you tell me who's question? I, I, I'm, I'm just uh, unfamiliar with the Eilam. Uh, who's the first victim? That, 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 that Yes? Okay, so... It could be anything. You don't have to speak about this. I'm just saying if, uh, anything in your mind, really, but I uh, just, just wanted to start yeah. with the Vitara. So a lot of Orthodox Judaism right now in the 21st century, it focuses a lot on Ben Adam Mumakom. Yeah. And it's sort of... 
I wouldn't say push away an Adam Mochavero, but it sort of substitutes, and it doesn't give as much focus for Ben Adam Mochavero. And people are having this, like, this relationship with Hashem. They're at a very, very high level, and they're taking things very severely and measures very seriously. Sort of affects their relationship with other people. So, are you able to possibly, according to Allah, I don't even know if it's so much Allah a question, but lower your level of bin Adam al-Makam, take things less seriously, more leniently, so you'd be able to increase your relationship with bin Adam al-Khabira. Okay, so one correction, you said the 21st century? How about the 19th century? 19th century? The, the Muslim movement started with a lot of that issue. Um, the Muslim movement was starting at the end of the 1800s. One of the salient points was this. Um, l- 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 let me address the, 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 your starting point before we get to your conclusion. Um, it's definitely correct that many times when a person is in search for Ben Adam to build his own Lishakash he may stop short with other people, and the reasons for that. But let me understand the flip side of it. If I'm a nice guy because I'm a nice guy, that's not really better than Havero. The Rambam in Pirusha Mishnayis in Peya says, in Dubai, says that a Talmud Chacham is called a Chaver in the Lashna because the only true friendship is based on, um, on, on doing what's right. In other words, if my Meron Havero is because I like people, people like me, so if you're a sweet guy, you're a nice guy, then great, we have a great time together. If you start getting on my nerves, then I don't care, and I just turn around. Real Meron Havero is because you're B'Tzal Kim, and whether I like it or not, HaKadosh Baruch Hu told me I have to respect it. True Meron Havero comes from Meron Makum. And it withstands any test. What the world calls is a great guy, is a nice guy, is a popular guy. A, most of those people that are very popular tend to be selfish. Secondly, even people that are nice, it's because there's a certain mutual, uh, 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 you know, kind of, uh, we like each other. But when push comes to shove and I really don't like the person, how much am I willing to go out on a limb for the person? Real, it, it's, your question, it, your, your opening line is correct. A person who really believes in Torah and HaKadosh Baruch Hu must believe in Bedal Machavero. There hasn't been a Godel that Klaus was held in esteem as a Godel that Ben Adam Machavero wasn't part of it. But the, the Ben Adam Machavero is built on obligation rather than just enjoyment. Because w- w- when you, you, you say, yes, everyone will say, it's, uh, even an atheist will say, yeah, you got to be nice and kind, people got to be nice to each other. When push comes to shove, when somebody knocks on your door asking for something, and you're not in a good mood, or you just sat down for supper, you will be very annoyed. When, when you say to yourself, this is what I'm obligated. So Ve'ela Mishpatim has a vav connecting it to Yisro to teach me that. Real ben Adam lechaveru is when it's built in a lamakom. I am obligated to Kaddish Baruch Hu. and the Torah is full of ben lechaveru, full of Adam lamakom, and therefore it is a, an appropriate tain on a person if he falls short in Adam lechaveru. But the solution is not by cutting Adam lamakom. On a practical level, when you're dealing on a chinuch level, y- you could tell somebody, you know, 
your over-involvement with trying to go beyond the letter of law in Ben Adam Lamakom is because you don't you haven't developed enough Ben Adam Lhavero. It's like saying, imagine somebody develops, he works out one of his hands and this arm is big and strong and the other one is, is looks like a stick. It's that that's there's something there's a terrible imbalance. So I say if you really believe in a Khajbrahun Torah, where is the mitzvah of Chesed? Where's the mitzvah of Sevaponim Yafas? Where's the mitzvah of of of, of, of the Isavanoah? Oh, those are appropriate tainas to the person. And a young person who's still not on steady feet may be corrected and say, instead of doing extra credit for one, and um, focus on the other a bit. But and the root of it, everything is rooted in the fact that we are each and every one of us is obligated to Baruch Hu. Every one of us is Selma Lakim and deserves the reverence of of of, of Akadosh Baruch Hu, of, of of a divine being, and and that's where it comes from. Yes. Are there ethics outside of Torah? Like I've heard some people say slavery is wrong, according to Halacha. Uh, not according to Halacha, but it is wrong morally. But we have a system for slavery. So so let's talk. I guess this sort of dovetails to to what he was saying. What was your name? Sorry. Sean. Sean. Um, what's your name? Sorry. Ben. Where are you from? Where are you from? Los Angeles. I guess that explains Baran Javero versus the. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, the, the uh, uh, let's talk about this a bit. One of the things is there a morality that exists outside of Torah? So let's think a little bit about. Let's use the word good and bad, because that's the most elementary description of Tov and Ra, of morality. The word good and bad has two meanings that I easily am able to, 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 finger, to put a finger on. One good is a subjective feeling of pleasantness. I like chocolate flavored ice cream, I eat it, it's good. Um, I know exactly what I mean. I know exactly the good feeling that I get when I eat chocolate ice cream. It may not be so good for you, you may not like chocolate, you might like strawberry, and you may be allergic to ice cream, so it's, it's subjective very clear sense, a physical sense, of, a positive physical sense. Whatever I keep, I keep buying ice cream, that's a sign that it's positive, that's good, and I, and I don't buy carrots and lettuce because don't quite like the taste. Fine. There's another definition of good and bad, which is effective slash efficient. So, for instance, um, is this a good car or not? Well, a good car is defined using a minimal amount of gas, getting a, minimum, a max amount of mileage, not breaking down often, and feeling bumpy and so on and so forth. Those are quantifiable. We can measure it with machinery. And I can tell you this car has X properties, has Y properties. That's an objective valuation. And it's good and bad in the sense of being effective and ineffective. Neither of these two, if I use a car that's ineffective, a yeshivish car, the, I was I, I was driving I was a few weeks ago I was in Florida by, by there was coal there is a, is a Talmud of ours, and and he picked us up in the airport, and the car was yeshivish, and it was grunting along, and I said the Yaakov this is a really yeshivish car, and he had an eight year old boy, um, sitting in the back seat and he smiled or laughed, so I asked him Menachem what's a yeshivish car, so he says 2008. That, that, you know, that, that was his definition, and uh, I guess it goes as a good definition. But you wouldn't consider me criminal, bad, wrong. You could sit down with me and say, listen, it makes sense for you, trade in the car, put in a few extra dollars, it'll be worth it, fine, but that's it. 
certainly on the first category of good and bad, um, you can't. I, I like chocolate ice. You tell me you're crazy. Chocolate ice is horrible. Some people like root beer. I remember root beer was a popular flavor. Um, t- it, most people think today it's like it's 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 like medicine and along those lines, and they don't like it. It's I can't say if somebody happens to like root beer a lot. It's an odd taste, and that's all there is to it. A third category: a person steals, person gives charity. What does good and bad mean over there? What exactly do we mean? Which one of those two categories are we relating to? It, does it mean I like good, it makes me feel good in my heart, and it makes me feel bad when somebody steals? So, okay, that's an honest statement. You can come along and say, I, I happen to feel very good when I'm able to pull off 100,000 bucks, you know, swipe it from some place and nobody knows. It, it, can I call them a name or not? It's, it's it's a flavor. I like it. I feel. Don't you feel so good when you give? No, I don't feel good when I give. So so, so that that everybody understands that we're not talking about. Does it make you feel good or not? It may make you feel good, but that's not the definition. Does it mean it's a more effective way of running society? Maybe if everybody's honest, society is a lot more efficient. If not, we we get Russia or or or, or one of those countries where everything is kaput. But you, you can't label it criminal, bad. You, you say, shlamazel. Um, if I say, if somebody tells me, you know, you're crazy for having a car like this, it, it costs you more and gears and repairs than buying a new one, maybe, but so what? Uh, you know, I don't feel like it. It's, it's, it there's, there's nothing I can say bad or good. But there is bad and good that we feel so strongly about. What is that? What exactly is that? Is there any way to define good and bad in a moral sense using anything in this world? You'll tell me, so the definition where if more people do good, all society benefits, I can agree to that, but that doesn't, that's not a reason to lock up somebody in jail. For having a 2008 car, you don't lock up a person in jail, even if it's inefficient and ineffective. What exactly, and we feel so strongly about it, what exactly is that? And the only answer that you can give, the only answer, you Nazis were terrible people for killing Jews. It's horrendous to you how they did. They slept very well. They had a sadistic nature. And to them, this was sport. This was the equivalent of a soccer game. You don't like killing people? We like killing people. You, you like soccer? We like football. Each one's got their own thing. You, you 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 don't think like that, and nobody thinks like that. The biggest atheist doesn't think like that. The biggest atheist is will will burn with rage at things that are done that are bad in his eyes. What is that all about? So let me tell you what it's about. Good and bad are a concept that has no. It does not emanate from this world. It's not a value of this world. It's a value of a different world. And we have an organ in our body called a conscience that senses it. And we can feel it. We don't have an exact idea. It's like the sense of smell. We know something, something's not good over here, something is rotten, rotting or something, but we, it's hard to pinpoint. But we have that sense. And every person has it, except for a psychopath who, who doesn't have it, unfortunately. That's why psychopaths are, are impossible to predict. They can do the most horrible things and smile, and you'd never know it. The, so good and bad, morality, the way we're defining it, can only under, be understood as something that's outside of the system. And Akadosh Baruch gave us a sense that picks up on it. Just like we walk and we never feel a magnetic field, 
birds do, and that's how they navigate. That's what's thought today. That's the, the, the current thinking is that their navigation is because they can, they can sense the magnetic fields. They have an organ that senses it. We don't. So, so w- we walk oblivious to it. We walk oblivious to a lot of sounds and smells. We don't have the organ that picks it up. Other animals do. We have an organ that picks up something that's from outside. And so that means as follows. I can relate to it. I can grab onto it. I can't determine it. What I like to eat, I'm the maven. I can tell you exactly what I like to eat. What's effective and efficient? A computer calculation will do that. What is right and wrong? Somebody from that world has to tell me. And that's why there is no morality except coming from somewhere else. And Torah and HaKadosh Baruch is that. Yes. Uh, if you want to pick which, uh, whatever. I, 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 yes. Um, you, what's your name? Where are you from? Shabbos from Okay. Um, increasingly, uh, a number of individuals have canceled their affiliation or membership with the Orthodox Union and like protest what they see as the OU's continued recognition of shuls that, in their view, goes beyond the pale of Orthodox uh, Judaism. Is that, in your view, an appropriate response? And more broadly speaking, how should it, what should a Jew's proper response um, be when he sees, in his view, an injustice committed by other Jews or by other Jewish organizations? So, I don't represent OU. So I did speak. It's one function of theirs, but as as a guest, not I don't represent. But, but let's talk about this. Um, by definition. Reform has become so inclusive that it's impossible to define Judaism by reform idea. There's nothing you could do and not be Jewish. So the word Judaism has become meaningless. And that's why they, they have diluted themselves out of existence because to be something, you have to have a border, a boundary. You know, people always ask, what's the most important organ in the body? And so, in a cell, what's the most important organ? So, again, there are many organs that are vital, many pieces of the cell, if you'll take out cell. But there's one that people didn't realize, two people were may seem lev. The membrane circling the cell is vital. Or else, if the inside of the cell is put into water, where it's diluted, it stops being, and it becomes slightly dirty water, and that's it. It's only because you have a boundary that says this is the cell and anything inside it is, is a special entity and anything outside it is, is, is not that you actually have a cell. So just like we define a family in a certain way, there are things we'll do for a family that we not expected to and don't have to do for other people. We define a family, husband, wife, children, parents, in one, in one level, you know, a, a broader definition for other mm-hmm. things. So anytime we have an organization that's dealing with Yiddishkeit, we're going to have to define Yiddishkeit. Wherever you're going to put a line, if you don't put a line, if everybody is Yiddishkeit, then Yiddishkeit means absolutely nothing. So as painful as it may seem, w- now, an organization, so much, let's take, let's take something like Torah that reaches out to a very broad world. So their, their angle is... We know what Yiddishkeit is, but we want you to come and taste and partake of any part of it. 
w- w- the people that we're bringing into our tent, anything you'll nibble on is important. Please do it. So it's not as if I've redefined Judaism, but it's, it's, I've constructed a, a structure that allows for people to come in and to taste a bit, and a lot of times the appetite comes with the food. But never ever, it, it, the difference between the conservative movement, which tried to be orthodox-like, and Kirov movement was, orthodox, the conservative movement redefined Yiddishkeit to, to, to make it more palatable for people. Th- basically, the minute you redefine it, it's gone. A Kirov, good Kirov that's done, doesn't redefine Yiddishkeit, but it allows for people to participate in Yiddishkeit at wherever they're holding at that point with the understanding that Tamarukitov. So an organization like OU, and again, I don't know the particulars, I'm not representative, but any organization that has that sense of a, of a, of a Judaism bound by Torah is going to have to define itself and say, you're welcome to come into my shul. But the shul that has X, Y, or Z, or doesn't have X, Y, and Z, is, is not something that fits into that structure. Yes? Uh, so Wh- what's your name? Where are you from? Uh, Moshe Wiener from Fatown. Yeah. Um, that question regarding the modern Orthodox school system, because for what it seems, this might be speaking broadly, but I'm coming from the Fatown, you know, I've been in two high schools, and I know people from all high schools from the metropolitan area, and for what it seems, most, unless it's like an exceptionally in-depth in in Lula Torah, um, a lot of times the yeshiva system, either he fails himself through the yeshiva system, the yeshiva system fails him, maybe his parents fail him, whatever it is. Um, But it seems that really like people aren't getting such an appreciation for Lula Torah, one, for Chesed, um, depending on, you know, like everyone's born with different tendencies. Um, And really just like even speaking the Hebrew language and everything, um, what would you, do you like, agree with me on this? Like, do you see a problem? And if you do, what do you think can, can be done? So, A, I, you know, I, I spoke a few weeks ago in the Modern Orthodox School by, in our community, I spoke about Modern Orthodox. I don't know why I was the guest speaker for that, but <laughs> I spoke about it. And I said, the first thing is, it's an indefinable word. I can say, I can define wood. This is wood. But a large piece of wood is meaningless because a large piece of wood can be this or it can be something as big as the room. Modern is not a noun, it's an adjective. So some people may consider me very modern, some may consider me very, very old-fashioned. So, so the, and I'm also not that familiar, but let's talk a little bit about uh, uh, the bigger picture. Um, a, school, a, a school in general faces a lot of challenges in reaching out to students. A group like this here has few, a few sharp advantages over a high school kid. A, you're not home now. In other words, you're in an environment that is uniquely yours. It's the yeshiva, this is your environment. You're mature. You're, you're at a point where you are not a mature enough, obviously, but, but th- th- much more than, than you're at a point where you can sit back and reflect and ask yourself, what do I want from life? I enjoy this, but is this important or not? You're in an environment where you're immersed totally in Ruchnius with a lot of examples of people. You're to be in your Shalayim, close to our bias, sitting with people, sitting and learning here, one call there, one call there, one call there. It, 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 you have so much going for you. A kid in a high school in New York, 
he's not in Yerushalayim, he's in New York. There's a difference. Five towns in Yerushalayim are different places. One. Two, whatever the boy's parents' idea is, so, so a Rebbe can say, and, and a Rebbe can get up in class and speak about the importance of the Torah, and a kid will be somewhat inspired. He'll come home, and if the parent says he's full of it, or he's a loser, then no matter how good of a job you've done, it's gone. You're competing. It may be the values of parents may be exactly in line with the, with, with the, with the Rebbe. It may not be exactly in line with the Rebbe. It may be diagonally. He just sent him to Jewish school because he wants to get to be Jewish. Or he's a coarse person who's religious. 101 things. You have so many different activities competing. You have Lemure Kodesh. You have Lemure Chol. You have a basketball team. You have all sorts of activities. It, 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 it understand and you are much younger and still not even begun to settle. A 16-year-old and 19-year-old are two different creatures, two different species, not, not even the same. So, so understand the challenge of people. And it's not fair to compare a modern Orthodox school to a very Haredi Shivisha school. Because Haredi Shivisha school, the parents and the environment that that's sending him to the school is preaching this is the most important thing, Torah's most important thing, keeping missiles important, so on and so forth. They may you know people may have their own little weak points, but the message that he's coming from is and then he may do well in school, he may not. Modern Orthodox parents, some of them are very strong Shom Torah mitzvahs who feel it's important that Torah mitzvahs come across and way and get to the world. For a lot of people it's, it's kind of a compromise. They like things that are more Torahic and less theoretic, and, and it's a mishmash of doing what you feel like and feeling that you must do some things. So, so bear in mind that a system has a lot of limitations imposed on it by its context. And it's really not fair, I think, m- the fact that so many boys come to Israel, and no matter what, so many boys and girls, and they become B'nai Torah and, and very Erlachayidin, it's not only a testimony to what Yerushalayim does and what Yeshiva does, it also means there was a latent message that was helped along. And, and you know, you've, you've got to give credit to, to, to people that did a lot of grunt work that, w- that didn't see results immediately. Yes, what's your name? I'm Shimon from London. My question is, does a person or more scholar work for being a or So it really depends what your tafkid is. In other words, a person who's not cut out for learning, um, just either he didn't have the background for it or he didn't have the abilities, he doesn't have the abilities, he's tried, he hasn't gotten there, he's gone into business, he's very successful, and he pushes himself to support Torah the way somebody pushes himself to learn. Their tzachar is equal. That's a, it's a phenomenal core of a person who, who's got tremendous abilities, works like a dog, makes lots of money, and spends a big part of it to support other people sitting and learning because that's the most important thing in the world. That's extraordinary. A person who is, could be sitting and learning, he's got what it takes, but he'd rather be wealthy and support Torah, then it's a different picture. So it really depends on the person. If a person says, Akarish Baruch who made me to support everybody. I want to tell you a story that, that, that to me is a paradigm of that. I was involved in the 80s, the late 80s, with helping Russian Jews who came to Israel 
and come go to yeshivas, be acclimated, and stuff like that. There was money coming in, the vast majority from Reichman. And they wanted a few Americans to be the sort of the board of directors because they, they could speak the language. They felt more comfortable working with Americans. So myself and a few friends of mine were sort of the board of directors of that. And we, basically, our job was to see the money went where it was supposed to go and, and, and so on. Reichman sent a huge amount of money. And then his businesses crashed. He didn't have the resources. A month later, he attended a wedding in Switzerland. And Mr. Reichman went from table to table collecting for it. That's godless and stucker. He didn't give money because he had extra money. He said, this is my responsibility, and if for whatever reason I can't do it, I have to go from table to table. That's incredible. So if you have that type of, uh, uh, of um, commitment, it's, and you say to yourself, I'm the workhorse who's going to be at the rough marketplace and make the money that it takes over places, the schar might even be bigger. The Gemara says he's maktim sol yisachar. But if the pshat is, it's 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 you, you like the life that you're living, you need to soothe your conscience a bit. That conscience, that pesky conscience we spoke about, and you sort of give it a, a, a few sweets and say it did this and it's this. It's a different story. It's a mitzvah, but not quite the same. Yes. And in case you have the resources, I'll give you the address where you can send the money. <laughs> <laughs> take, make no, take the name, the name and the email, the contact information. Very important contact information. <laughs> yes. Could you all give some etas for a guy who struggles with tefila? It's so exciting. It's difficult, challenging. The first thing is, if I had really good etas, I would use it myself. That would be a, a, a given. Um, you know. It's, it's very, very hard. It's interesting. It's fascinating. I spoke about it recently. And, and, and every place almost that I go to, this is one of the questions that people ask me. And it is an insane dark. Let me explain to you why I think it's a challenge in our generation and why it becomes a challenge even better. Baruch Hashem, it's the first time that, in a long time, there were Kufis and Pais that, that were wealthy, that we really have a lot. We have a wonderful compared to what was a hundred years ago. We have wealth. Even the poorest of us here lives in company better. We don't have Baruch Hashem. Most Jews, with all the troubles that we have and all the problems and so on, we're still so much better off. And there's no easy prompt for tefillah. But if a person, it, it's an opportunity for a deeper level of tefillah. If a person takes time out and tries to understand the vacuum in his life, and understand that that's the point with which he needs to connect HaKadosh Baruch Hu. I, I want to say something, it's a kind of a deep point, but I think it's important. If somebody's Kovea Mokom Litfiloso, it says big things, okay, with Ba'ozro, and, and, and they say things about him when he's, you know, hey, Anavei Chassid. So the normal, the Pashtab shot and a good shot in Kaveh Mokum is you, you, you pick a spot and you don't roam the halls, you sit in your spot, you have a Kavurika spot, that's true. There's a deep point, Dev Shechaim touches on it, and I'm going to try to say it in a way that we can understand it. Mokum, in a deeper sense, means avoid waiting to be filled. When I say there's place, what I'm saying is there's an empty spot waiting to be filled. If I ask, I, if I go to a company and say, I'm an accountant, do you have any work for me? When I say yes, there's a plan, accountant means 
we're missing an accountant. That's what place means. A person needs to sit down and say, whatever I have, do I really have it? It's all HaKadosh Baruch Hu's. Do I have something substantial without HaKadosh Baruch Hu in my life? Tefillah is meant to reestablish and understand that what we do have. Baruch Hashem, all of us have. We have health. We, we have, no matter what our financial circumstances are, we have. And understanding this is all HaKadosh Baruch Hu. It's not us. And every tefillah is a way to reach out. Um, it takes time. There's a type of thing that takes its bonus and time, but it's, it'll be a long process for us. But in, in, in many ways, the tefillah, it's like the difference when somebody comes over to speak to me when he needs me, and he says he needs money or whatever it is, versus somebody comes over to speak to me because he needs me, not what I can give him. A huge difference. One of them is a, is a short encounter. I, could I borrow your bicycle? Yes, you can borrow my bike. Fine. Or, I want to talk a little bit. Let's move a bit. I'm, I'm, I, I need to, to talk. That's a very big difference. So, Baruch Hashem, HaKadosh Baruch gave us an opportunity where davening could be, because I need HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Yes, everything, the health and the, and, and the wealth and everything else and the, and the reino vanyen, all of that is, is a vehicle for it. But at least we can tap into it. But it takes thinking about it and, 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 com- and coming to an understanding that we're really missing the core of everything unless Akash Baruch is there. Yes? We had a final question. Okay. Um, what's your take on the living Well, first of all, what's the Gemara's take on it? Um, living ex- ex- role is an extraordinary spiritual dimension and it, um, it, 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 it brings a lot of benefit. It also, the Gemara gives us exceptions where a person does not have to live in a Tisrael. And therefore, in Halacha, and therefore a person, so I who do not come from a Zionist type of religious Zionism, so Aliyah is not the central mitzvah, it is a very hush of a thing. The considerations should be, the consideration is A, do I have Parnassah in Eretz Yisrael? That's a halacha, that's brought down halacha. A person should have a reasonable chance for Parnassah. Two, on a practical level, if a person does not fit in in a way that he feels socially he fits in, people who, who a, 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 a community that he can fit into and be part of that, it becomes very problematic both in terms of yourself and children. So if a person feels that there's a community he reasonably fits in and he has a Parnassa, there's nothing living at Yisrael. The Chazal give us so much, so many milers about living at Yisrael. Um, on, the, on, on the other hand, if a person is not going to have Parnassa, it's brought down in, in Shofarach, it's in Shachuva, um, that it's going to become counterproductive, destructive. If a person just doesn't seem to fit in, he's not Haredi, he's not a Zionist, he's neither here nor there, he, he's not going to grow Ruchnius. A person needs a community to be part of, a, a community of Mavachshi Hashem that he can feel to be part of. So it, it, it takes a serious observation. And finally, um, a person who's on a mission, <coughs> like people from Eshat Torah who go out to be Makar of people, people who are who in Chutzlars have done remarkable jobs in terms of Hashpa, that's also an obligation that a person needs to weigh. So d- there are things to weigh. It's definitely living in a Yisrael is of tremendous spiritual value. But 
there are two, three things that need to be in place, or, or else it becomes counterproductive. Bez Hashem, when we're Zohar to the Gula, we'll all live in Eretz because that's all the place where Kali Yisrael expresses itself and, and gets and gets the Ashra and everything comes with it. But until that point is something to strive for, it's some positive provided that, that two or three mineral pieces are in place. Those, and you just see it from experience that people, that these things are not in place, it's very difficult. And, and a lot of times the Ruchnis boomerangs kind of. So it's a good note to end on. Bez Hashem, we should be Zoha and come back to Israel and uh, be, you know, find all Hashbar Ruchnis in Israel, everything being placed for us. Bez Hashem, the Karb Amen. Okay. Ready? Thank you.